This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Welcome back to the Paddle and Fin Podcast Network. We're brought to you by Yak Gadgets. For all your fine quality kayak fishing accessories, go to yakgadget.com. Pelican cases, cooler, and lighter. Go to pelican.com. And the 153 Bait Company. For all your hunting soft bait needs, go to the 153angler.com. Now let's join our special guest around the campfire. Welcome back, everyone. Another episode of Feather and Fur. Your host, Brad Hurlbus. And we're coming off my birthday episode last week, and we're going straight to the West Coast. And I got a special guest named James Norton on, so we're going to bring him in right away. James, welcome to the show. Thank you for uh, inviting me. Yeah, man. I've, I've, I mean, we've been friends on Facebook for a while now, and, and I've seen you progress out West, and, and you're doing some exciting stuff. So I'm really excited to talk to you to talk to you tonight about that. Yeah. Definitely. Excited so, to share. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It'll be good. It'll be a good show. I, I like getting a different perspective on hunting in different areas and West coast is number somewhere I've never been. So I'm probably gonna have a ton of questions and I'm going to sound right. like a rookie. Cause I don't know what I'm doing out there. So, but it's just all like all more knowledge and sharing experiences. So. Okay. Yeah, no, I'd love to share that with you. Yeah. Um, well, we'll start where I always start. How'd you get to like, how did you end up hunting? Like what started like your drive and your passion and that fire to like really take it to the field? So, um, I didn't really grow up in a hunting home. My dad was from the Northwest originally, and I think he had gone hunting a few times. Um, and I was, I grew up with dogs. So we always had dogs. My parents had springers. And then probably when I was about 12 years old, one of my friend's dads got a bird dog and, you know, he got a professionally trained. It was a Vishla actually. And I saw that and I was like, oh man, I got to have that. So at the time, um, I wanted a lab and I would watch like the ESPN super retriever series 
And I was like, I just, I got to get a lab. Because I, I, in high school, I mostly dove and duck hunted. Uh, now I'm sure. totally an upland hunter and, and do, you know, the total opposite. Um, so I got a lab and, you know, he was like AKC registered, nothing special. Um, but I put a ton of time into him and, you know, worked with a couple different trainers and, you know, he turned out nice and, um, he, I'm 28 now and he died in August and he lived 14 years old. So that was my first dog. Um, but I kind of got into it my own, you know, I would see people train and then some of my friends hunted in high school and so I'd go with them. And then my dad started hunting with me and, and so, but I was the one who initiated it. That's awesome. And it's awesome that you yeah. took it on at a young enough age where you almost where you almost were able to get your father into it with you to make some of those memories of hunting with your dad then. Yeah. Oh no, I, I've hunted a lot with my dad. He's a cool guy and uh, like my best friend. And um, you know, he like he was in the army and you know, he had guns, but never he wasn't like a you know a super big hunter or anything like that, or he, you know, didn't run dogs. So um yeah, but you know, he was liked it too, and we just kind of went with it. No, that's awesome. And I get it. Like I'm a late onset hunter. I took it on in my early twenties. No one in my family hunted. I, I mean, oh. I basically, I rented a farmhouse and it was in the back corner of the field would flood and I'd get mallards and geese in there constantly. So I'm like, I gotta learn how to duck hunt. Cause this is, and like, it totally skewed how easy I thought duck hunting was. Cause they <laughs> always wanted to be in that field. So, right. I mean, we, we'd pressure it for a little bit, back off, pressure it for a little bit, and they just keep coming back. So it totally <laughs> skewed my judgment of how easy it was to duck hunt. Like, yeah. now I, like, cause I, I do quite a bit of duck hunting still. I spend pretty much all October chasing grouse and woodcock. And then wow. come November, I spend quite a bit of time like chasing ducks and a little bit of deer. Um, but now it's a grind and now I'm working for it. And it's like, man, yeah. I, I had something special back there. And I, and I knew it was special, but I didn't know how special. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> that's so cool. That's... But no, it's, it's uh, funny. You, you started with a lab. I, I started with a lab as well. And it, I mean, for a first time trainer, they're such a great breed. They're really, cause they're so forgiving. Oh, they're so forgiving. They're bold. You know, if you're kind of an aggressive guy, you can make some mistakes and they'll meet you halfway. And that's how my dog was. I mean, Shadow was, couldn't have asked for a better first dog. Um, you know, now I, I, I buy a little bit, you know, higher end dogs and whatnot, but for a first dog, he was awesome. And I did do some upland bird hunting and that's kind of, I ended up one time going on a quail hunt with him and my friend and his dad and their dogs. And I, I think they had labs too. And it, I really liked that. I was like, you know, I, I enjoy duck and dove, but there's, I always like to hike with my dogs too, like outside of hunting season. So up in bird hunting was kind of like, you know, hiking with your dog with a gun and um, out here, we got a lot of Valley quail if you know where to look. And um, it's just a lot of fun. So. And I, I, I completely get it. Cause I made that switch too. like, I say a duck yeah. hunt, right. But my first primary drive is, is, up, is, is upland. And oh, I think yeah. it's, like I duck hunt for the social aspect, like get a couple buddies together. You're right next to each other. You're drinking coffee. You're having a good time in the blind. But like when we go, right. out, when we go out, we go out grouse hunting, like with our dogs, we kind of split up a little bit. Like we work the same area, but we're kind of split up. We're right. We're not right on top of each other. We're both working our own dog to cover more ground. Right. We're walking in the same direct, but it's, it's not as social, but it's not like deer hunting where it's solitary. Cause like you really just, like what I think I like most about upland hunting is I'm a hundred percent focused on the moment. I'm watching oh, my yeah. dog intently to see if like what yeah. she's doing on scent. I'm constantly yeah. like being a grouse hunter. I'm constantly like walking through trees and under branches and trying not to get beat, beat myself up too much. Yeah. But I'm, 
I'm a hundred percent and meant like immersed in the moment. Like there's no other thought in my mind. Like there's no work. There's no anything like there's not like, there's the guy I'm hunting with. I'm always like safety factor. Right. But I mean, right. even like at that point, like, like he's my best friend in the world, but he's not really in that equation. Cause right now it's me and my dog right. exactly in the moment of what we're trying to do. And that's fine. Find that grouse. Oh, that's so awesome. Yeah. So when we hunt, um, a lot of, I'm, I do hunt by myself, but a lot of times I'll hunt with a, a buddy or two or my dad. I'm, actually, I ended up getting my older brother into hunting too. Um, and so I'll usually go with a few of us. And, and like you, we'll split up. Um, a lot of the cover, like we hunt for the quail, they're in like sagebrush. So it's, it's kind of like rolling hills and it's nice walking. It's really cool. Um, you know, my dad's turning 70. That's something he can still do. Um, oh, that's awesome. I do. Yeah. I also, so in California, the, my two favorite things to hunt here are valley quail and chucker um chucker i love because it's a it's a challenge and it's it's big country it's tough country and the best part about it too it's all public um so if you know where to go you can just go and it's just you know you can just let the dogs run big and and it's it's awesome and last year we had a really good season um but you know some of my chucker spots i can't take like older guys there you know it's kind of more of a young man's game where you got to be in shape you know because sure you're going up you know um so those are the two and we do have mountain quail as well um i have got into them uh kind of a highlight for me on that one time a few yeah it's probably been like three four years ago i took a guy and his wife uh from tennessee they flew out they even brought their bird their setter hank and uh i got him into valleys and mountain quail which uh finished off his uh north american slam for quail oh that's awesome yeah so that was pretty cool um and the spot we were hunting there uh we actually got into valleys and mountain and there is chucker there too so sometimes if you find the right habitat you can the species kind of intercross you know so that's always exciting but the main the main bird i hunt here would be chucker and, and quail and I'd say most guys are, are quail hunters here. Sure. And that's something I've never done. And I know you just said you're hunting in the California area and, and you guide as well, if yeah. I remember right. Yeah. So a little background on me. I'm a California native, uh, grew up here. And then when I was 18, moved to Washington for college. And I went to a small private school in uh, Walla Walla, uh, Washington. And uh, in my upper years there, I, I got a pointing dog and there's actually pheasants there. So we do a lot of pheasant and quail hunting. Uh, after that worked in corporate. And then one day I, uh, saw an ad for Highland Hills ranch, um, in Condon, Oregon. So it's in like North central Oregon, about two and a half hours from Portland. And, uh, anyways, I, I, I looked into it and it, they are, they're always in the Covey rise magazine. They're a big lodge. They're Orbis and Doris. They're a Beretta Trident lodge. And I was like, you know, I'm going to go for it and, uh, guided there for two years. Absolutely loved it. I mean, awesome place to work. Clients are great. And, you know, you get to run your dogs all day and, and meet really nice people. So it's really cool. And it's a great way to like blend that passion of like the dog training side of it. Cause if you, I mean, you have a kennel, you train dogs, right. so you have to be passionate about dog training. And a lot of people Absolutely. are, um, a lot of a lot of the upland hunters and even like the duck guys, I know we're all pat, like we all train our own dogs. I mean, so that makes it really passionate there. So when you get yeah. to let other people experience your dogs and as long as like, I always am notorious. Like when I take people out, like I put way too much pressure on myself. Like I don't pressure the dog any more than I normally would, but I pressure myself like, right. man, the dog screwed that up or man, I wish the dog was doing this much better. But after the hunts over, they're like, man, 
I've never hunted over that. Like, and some people have, but I'd say 75% of the people I take out are new to it because I right. focus on newer people. That's what I do. Um, that's cool. And they're like, I've, ne I I've never done like the dog. It's amazing. Like the dog works amazing. Yeah. And maybe that's why I focus on younger people or like not yeah. even younger people and experienced people. Cause then yeah. I don't have like judging my dog. Cause I don't know what to compare it to. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, I guiding was a great fit for me because I'm, I, I love people. I have a communication degree um and i love dogs so with guiding it, it's kind of a combination of those because you can't just be a, a really good dogman to be a guy you also got to be a people person because it is like the entertainment industry you know so they really you know i always like kind of engage with the client get them talking and learn their story um you know where they're from what they like to do and and whatnot and then you know it's awesome because i get to showcase my dogs and actually sometimes you know it's not uncommon when you're guiding that you know the client you're guiding wants you to train their dog. So then, you know, all of a sudden, you know, that's a, you know, a, a new client dog for you as a trainer. And, and it's awesome. I, I tell people probably think I'm lying when I say this, but I've never had a bad client guiding. I absolutely love it. I mean, I would that's, do it in my sleep if I could. <laughs> that's awesome. I mean, yeah, I, I think you talked to like, I've got friends that are fishing guides and it's like, they're ex right. like a lot of them, like they couldn't deal with the expectations because people go there. They, they expect to catch fish. They expect to do this. They expect right. you to do that. So for you to not have a client like that's ever like been over the top, like that's awesome. Like that, that's great. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And maybe the, I don't know, maybe it's different in the industry. Maybe it's, maybe there's less expectation with hunting than there possibly is fish that I don't know. Cause I don't guide for either, but right. it, I mean, it's, that's a vast difference from the fishing guides I've ever talked to. Right. So when, when you get hired at Highland Hills um, and I can't really speak to anywhere else cause I've only guided here and I've guided like some in California, but not, not even, not really, you know, I mean, I take people out like that guy from Tennessee, but he didn't pay me. So it wasn't like, sure. you know, I'm doing it up in Oregon commercially. Um, so when you get hired there, you got to have a truck, you know, a semi newest truck, and then you got to have a string of dogs. I, you know, I had both of those. Um, and really your dogs kind of, kind of do the talking for you and they make you, um, you know, you have to go out with the owner and one of the top guides there and, and showcase your dog before you're allowed to give in hunts, you know, cause they don't, you know, people are paying a lot of money and they, they deserve to hunt with a well-trained dog, you know? Sure. Sure. Um, so you're, we're not like training on hunts or doing any of that, you know? So um, you're guiding. Yeah. I mean, you're, I mean yeah. you, you're expected to have a dog that's going to perform at a certain level yeah. for a client, yeah. for the clients you have. And that that's completely understandable. Cause yep. like, like you said, someone's paying for this experience. Like right. they, they don't, they either can't own dogs, right. Or they don't have time to train dogs or it's not right. maybe necessarily their main passion, but they wanted to experience that. They wanted that this experience. Right. So like that makes perfect sense. And, I, and it makes sense why the kennel would say, Hey, you're going to work. You're going to, you're going to guide us today so we can see what you're like and what your dogs were like. Yeah. Yeah. And it's cool because, you know, when you're guiding, you make a lot of connections and some of my clients, you know, they come as a client, but I, in my kennel, I always say like they come as a client, but leave as a friend. And that's how guiding has been for me as well. You know, some of the guys I'll guide them. And then the next year I guide them again, and then they bring their son and, you know, we get a hunt and it's just, it's really awesome experience. And then, you know, at the end when they, you know, say, I had this one guy, uh, he always hunts there with his three boys. And one of his boys is buying a cocker off me. Cause we, so real quick, when we guide at the ranch, we have to use pointing and flushing dogs. And some guys think that's weird and it's really not hard. The first time you do it, your pointer, your pointer like kind of turns its head and is like, what is going on? You know, like <laughs> why, why did that dog just break point? But after a few reps, the dogs are totally acclimated to the cocker. And if anything, 
I think it makes the dog more steady because they have to stand there while a little like a little guy, a little fur ball <laughs> just dives in there and blows up the covey. Um, but going back to this one older gentleman and his three sons, uh, they've hunted like all over the world. And they pulled me to the side one time and we were hunting with my two older Brittany, Zeke and Scout. And he was like, man, I've hunted like New Zealand, you know, all over the world. And uh, these two Britneys right here, these older Britneys that, I mean, they're like top of the food chain. And that, that really meant a lot to me. You know, I mean, he didn't have to say that. Um, but it, it was, it's just nice, you know, clients will see, you know, you put a lot of time into your dogs because all of us guys do that in the off season, we're grinding, you know, we're training, we're developing our, you know, new dogs and, and, and so forth. So you're running Brits and Cockers then? No, I, so I run, so a lot of guys that I work with have like one, uh, you know, a few of the guys like only German short hairs. I have a mix of breeds. <laughs> so okay. I've got, uh, I've got Britney's, uh, I've got pointers and then I have a couple young short hairs, but for the last two years, the, the main pointing breeds I've used have been Britney's and English pointers. And then, uh, yeah, co- uh, cockers for my flushing dog. I have used the lab too. Um, but, and then my two top cockers are blue and bubbles. I absolutely love them. They're just, they're so much fun to hunt with. And even outside of guiding, they're really good dogs to take like on a dove hunt. Um, right. and I've shot a bunch of quail over them too. Really, really exciting dogs to hunt with. No, that's cool. And I, I really want to like, I don't want to like get off topic here. Cause I really want to talk about <laughs> flushers, like flushers with pointers. Cause we, yeah. I did that grouse hunting. So I had my lab yeah. and my, my buddies got, a um, an English setter. Okay. So. But his like it was real simple because his English setter's deaf, so I, oh. I whistle sit. My, my my lab was trained for duck hunting. He's the one that drove. We'll do a quick so you know where I'm coming from. My lab was extremely high strung, and right. he was steady, but he hated it, and he'd right. start to whine and he'd want to get up and run around. And I mean, you could re-study, but he <laughs> he just didn't enjoy it. And right. on a duck hunting trip, I was with the same buddy. He goes, "Let's go hunt grouse and see how your dog does." He was <laughs> phenomenal. Like, oh, wow. he, he was an amazing grouse dog. Like I knew when we hit the woods, there would not be a bird he missed. I had a hundred percent confidence awesome. in him in those woods. And he had the helicopter tail when he'd get birdie, like his tail would just be perfectly flat and go back yeah, and yeah. forth as fast as it could. So it was a really exciting dog to watch too. Cause like you could tell when he would get birdie. Um, oh, that's awesome. So it was really cool to watch. Like those two worked really, really well together. Cause yeah, because the setter, like she never really retrieved. Like it's really hard to like. She didn't. She doesn't even recognize the gunshot. Really, like she's wow. born deaf. So wow, it's really hard. It's really hard for her ever. Like she doesn't retrieve. She'll go back and point dead if you push her into that area, right? Okay. But right. she's never associated a dead bird with a gunshot. Ever got that retrieve excitement because she's never put that together. So wow, like for her, like having band, like we'd go in like. I whistle sit bandit and we try to bust that bird. And like, if we couldn't, I'd send the, I'd send bandit in and she'd hold point and it was perfect. And then, awesome. or like if a bird fell, I'd send him on the retrieve. So I'm really curious to know, like with an actual pointing dog and a flushing dog, like what's the training process behind that to like really keep that pointing dog steady. Like I, it's gotta be a lot on woe training, I would assume. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's just, you know, with anything dog trains, a lot of repetition, you know, I always say, you know, that's, the, the key to dog training is just, just keep doing it, keep practicing it. Um, so, you know, your pointing, your pointing dog's got to be broke. And then what you do is you just uh, send the flusher in and, you know, if he moves, then you, the pointing dog, if the pointing dog moves or sure. crashes, then you can give him a little nick. Um, and every once in a while that'll happen. But the good news, if it does happen, 
at that point, the clients are like in shooting range. So they're, even if, you know, they mess it up, but no, for the most part, most my dogs, like 98% of the time, they're not moving and the cocker goes in and the cockers are pretty smart. Like bubbles and blue, um, they did this naturally. Sometimes you have to train it, but these guys did it naturally. When they saw a pointing dog on point, they would sit in honor. All right. And so, and my release command for them to go in is okay. Sometimes I'll say hunt it up or put it up, but my, my, you know, when I pull the trigger, it's okay. And then they just fly in there like a hundred miles an hour and, you know, <laughs> kick up the birds. Um, but, but it's a lot faster than you think. Cause when I, so when most guys get hired at that lodge, they've never hunted with a flusher. I had done it like one other time with the kind of like what you did, my buddy at his lab and I had my Brits um, and whatever. But I think within like two hunts, the dogs totally figured it out. Got it. So they, yeah, they pick up on it a lot quicker than people give them credit for. And I, I, I really can see the advantage. I mean, that's gotta be a great setup. I mean, I'm assuming quail don't do quail run. Like, I don't even know are quail runners or do they pretty much like hang out in that covey? It, it, it like... depends what, it depends what type of quail you're hunting. But yeah. So like Valley quail, those birds run, they're notorious runners. Same with gambles quail. But if you hop into, uh, cause I hunt, so I've hunted all, all over West. I go to Arizona a lot. If you hunt like Mern's quail, those birds hold like a planted bird. And, right. and that's that, that's why a lot of guys like hunting them because the, the flush is explosive but like you can like walk up and almost step on the covey but yeah out in california the quail run and so can the chucker sometimes they'll hold though and then if you so when you're when you're hunting valley quail the idea is to get the covey to um to bust up and if they do that then all the birds like the singles and the doubles will hold really well and your pointing dog will go around all the bushes and just start like picking them off and then right. and then if the cubby's big enough that's that's how you shoot your limit got it got it so. but i can see like the flushing dog because i i don't hunt a lot of pheasant I, I we don't have a wild we have very very select few areas in wisconsin that have any wild pheasants left so okay. all of ours is dnr put and take Right, and right. I just don't really get down on that. Nothing against right. the people that do. That's just not something that's exciting to me. Not when I have grouse up north, which are wild birds. And then I, right. I, hunt, woodco I hunt woodcock a lot and I chase that migration. So that's I'd cool. much rather hunt those wild birds. Of course. Which, speaking of which, I don't know if you've ever woodcock hunted. That bird holds ridiculously tight and is fun. Wow. I've only done snipe, not woodcock. I wish I, I that's on the bucket list. <laughs> so woodcock, like they hold tight, tight, like to the that's point awesome. where you can have your dog have its nose less than a foot away from this bird. And you have enough time to like grab a big camera and get a picture of the two. Like wow. that's how tight these things will hold as long Dang. as they're not overpressured. If they're not overpressured, they just hold ridiculously tight. Like it's fun. They're fun. Like they're really fun and they fly different too. Like grouse, like, cause you, I know you said you have grouse, but um, so, you know, they tend to fly low and fast right away. At least yeah. the grouse in the woods here, they fly low, yep. fast. It's a really quick shooting. Like you have to have, like you got to be. It's really instinctive. You got to be fast on the gun, or you're gonna, you're not gonna get any shots on birds, really. Whereas woodcock, it's more like a helicopter. They go straight up, <laughs> then out. Awesome. Oh wow! How do they, real quick? Where how do the? Because you said they're migratory. Where do they migrate from? I, I really don't know a lot about woodcock. So we have nesting populations in Wisconsin, but they come down from Canada, actually. They nest, a lot of them okay. nest in Canada. Okay. And I believe they winter Louisiana. I think that's a big wintering ground for them. I know a I guy remember, in right? Louisiana that hunts them. Yep. 
Yeah, I think Louisiana is a big, big wow. wintering ground for them. So we do have breeding population in Wisconsin, but a lot are even north of us yet. Wow, that is so cool. I, you know, uh, you were talking about grouse. I actually have shot wild rough grouse, um, and it was in college. So in, uh, I was living in eastern Washington, and I'd hunt the Umatilla National Forest. I actually had a one of my good friends in college. His dad was a game warden, and he was like, "Hey, if you go in there, there's grouse." And so that's my that's my experience hunting rough grouse. Other than that, I haven't you know done it a lot but it was fun you know we shot limits and and the the thing that surprised me the most is how good they tasted they were awesome <laughs> they're real like it's like that reddish but it's a white meat right it's yeah a pink, yeah i yeah, call yeah. it a pink meat so i yeah. mean yeah they're phenomenal they're delicious yeah. but so i actually just went out with my dog and a, a semi-guided for clients at work at a pheasant farm and okay. they still had standing corn and these things ran and they ran hard and my dog struggled for. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Most of the day, towards the end, she was starting to figure it out, but she wasn't able to relocate on these birds. Like she'd hold point. And by the time, like the bird would be 50 yards away before she'd be like, wait, where'd this bird go? Like she really (laughs) struggled with that. Um, Whereas I really could see a benefit between like the flusher and the pointer together, especially on running birds, because they point them, that bird gets nervous and starts to run. And by that point, you got the flusher in there and they don't have a choice anymore. Well, ever, you know, because before, like, like I said, I grew up with a lab and had that. But then for a while, I just had pointing dogs. Um, But after guiding, you know, at HHR, I will never not own a flushing dog because there's so many situations where they have advantages that, you know, we've got this one valley coil spot here in California that me and my dad like to hunt. And it's really better with a flushing dog that that particular spot because the birds hang in a tree line and there's like a a little creek in there where they get water and you put one hunter on the other side and, and a hunter on the, you know, the opposite side and you just walk the tree line, but it's so thick that uh if your dog goes on point in there you know it's like how are you gonna get them you know you gotta get the birds out <laughs> so that you know you just send the tunnel rat in <laughs> so. that's hunting woodcock in a nutshell yeah. i mean it's that super thick cover where i mean i remember hunting with that, that my buddy um he was telling me a story is like i couldn't get my dog to break point i couldn't get it in there to flush i couldn't get it in there i was starting to throw sticks underneath like this tree <laughs> to try to get this bird to yeah. break because his dog would not break point this woodcock would not flush and he goes i don't know what to do <laughs> well get a cocker get a cocker <laughs> <laughs> so that's the key the fl- the pointer and the flusher i'm I, yeah yeah and I have hunted over that combo just like, but with him. So I, I really do see the benefits of it, especially what you're saying, like with that thicker cover at times too. 
Oh yeah. You know, if you're, like I said, I've never had a woodcock, but after hearing what you just told me, oh man, a cocker would be just perfect for that. So I have not hunted over a cocker. That is not a, not a, not a dog. I have hunted over. Um, I have okay. seen some of your videos though. And man, they look like an exciting <laughs> dog to watch. Yeah. Yeah. They're super fun. They're real animated. I mean, they they just have an exciting personality. Um, and they're really nice dogs. They're kind of like a miniature lab almost and like how I think of it. You know, I, I describe it as someone, um, but they can go a long time. Like my cockers, they get hunted hard and they go every day and they're, because they're little they're I think there's less wear and tear on them than like a bigger dog. Sure. Um, and, and they're good retrievers. They like the water, very biddable. Um, you don't even have to run them with collars. I do because um, when I'm guiding and hunting, I actually don't even really talk to my dogs. I just hit the tone button and that's like all I do. Um, I sure. let them, I, I don't micromanage my dogs. I let them be a dog and hunt. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, they're, they're fun. I mean, I've got, so I've got bubbles and blue. They're my like seasoned veteran cockers. And then I have two young ones. I have candy and cocoa. Um, and so, yeah, um, that's, uh, that's what I got for cockers. <laughs> So how many dogs are you running at your kennel then? How many dogs are you guiding with? So I have, I have 14 total dogs, but I'm guiding with like, uh, I'm guiding with 10 pointing dogs and then, um, two bubbles and blue, my two cockers. I candy and Coco. I'm not guiding with yet. They're not ready. Coco's right. almost there. Um, so the, the big thing with cockers, you can guide with them at a young age. The one thing in my opinion that they have to kind of pass before you can start putting them on hunts and everything is you got to gun break them so um once they're kind of cool with the gun you know it's like okay time to time to hunt you know because what's expected of them is is less than like a pointing dog right and they hunt so close so you know because our pointing dogs you know good like one of my good female pointers I, i was guiding with her at like six seven months old but typically it's about a year when i really like you know, they, I really guide him as like a primary dog, but I mean, blue, my cocker blue, he was, I was guiding with him at six months old. So wow. he was, he was an exceptional dog. Yeah. He was real. That video you saw of him. I think he was like seven, six or seven months in that video. That's awesome. That's crazy. Yeah. Him and blue, yeah, at the end of guide season last year, um, him and bubbles turned a year, like right as like the season was ending. They weren't even a year old. That's awesome. So, yeah. That's awesome. So, yeah. So so hunting out, um, like hunting those quail out west, like where you are, what yep. type of ranges are your dogs running? Like, I'm, I'm assuming this is big country. So, like for quail, not as big as you think. Like, I was actually, right. I wasn't hunting today, but I was um, working, running. Um, I was running dogs on on wild birds without a gun. But they, you know, when I'm quail hunting, I don't really want them over 300 yards. Um, they okay, usually... that's, that's huge for me. Like that's huge. Is it? for me? Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. 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 Yeah. Cause you're in the woods. So that's, right. that's like your right. dog disappears. Yeah. Oh, they'll disappear after 40 where we hunt. Okay. Okay. I see. Yeah. <laughs> so like today, I think uh, a couple of my pointers are at 300 yards, but you know, the sweet spot for me for quail is around, I don't know, like 75 to 200 yards. Um, there's been a few times where you know, my big running pointers will take off. And then in the corner of my, like, you know, 50 yards, my Brittany's on point. (laughs) So it's like, (laughs) um, but uh, yeah, so about uh, that's the range for quail. Now, Chucker's a different story. Chucker, um, my best Chucker dogs are my my pointers. And and when I say pointers, I'm referring to English pointers, but I I usually just call them pointers. 
Um, and I let them roll. In fact, I don't, I just, you know, they've got the garments on them. And once that tells me they're on point, that's really when the hunt starts. All right. So, yeah. So they're, they're what? Five, six hundred. They can be. Yeah. 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 I, there's, I have a few pictures of uh, my pointers last year and it took us like, you know, me and my buddy, we're in pretty good shape. And it, it took us about like five minutes to get to them. And we're like climbing up a hill and then, Right when we get there, we kind of flick our safeties off, and then and then the birds erupt, and it's so exciting. <laughs> you're out of breath. You're uh, trying yeah. to study yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and that's that's with my older dogs too. You know, if I'm training or working a young dog, um, with with trust comes freedom. So, like, you know, if a puppy's like at like 700 yards, they're just running and they're gonna blow up birds and whatever, and that's okay. Like, you know, I let a puppy be a puppy, right? I don't. I don't put sure. like, I'm not guiding with a puppy. It's okay. I let them, I let them develop and grow up, but yeah, to answer your question. Uh, and w- sometimes if you're hunting like mountain quail, the cover can be pretty thick. Um, you know, we've got like a lot of manzanita, so it, it just depends, but I would say generally for quail 200 yards is like a, a good, you know, all right. where they should be at. Yeah. All right. Um, so I know you said you had your big run in EP and then do you like to hunt two different styles like that also? Like, do you like to hunt a big running dog with a short, with a closer running dog? I do. I do. And I, I, I got that idea from, uh, uh, this older gentleman. He's still alive. He's a big author. His name is uh, Ben O. Williams and he writes for Covey Rise. He's got some awesome books and that was kind of his method of the madness was, uh, Britney's and pointers. And so I kind of, you know, I had Britney's and, I got my Brittany when I was in college. You know, at that time, I thought you had to have like own a ranch to have an English pointer. Turns out you don't because I don't have a ranch. But uh, but that was like kind of my perception, you know. Um, and so that's what I like. Now, out here in California, by far, when if you're wild bird hunting and you encounter another hunter, eight to nine out of ten times, they're going to have a German short hair. And most of my client dogs are German short hairs. Um, like this summer, I got a few Brittany's. And I, I do have a couple short hairs. And one of the big reasons for that, I mean, there's a lot of reasons, but one thing I do like about that breed um, is their coat. Um, with my Britneys, unfortunately, I have to like shave them a lot. And then those, you, you just, you don't have to do anything, you know? Sure. So, um, but I'll always run either Britneys and pointers or like a short hair with a pointer. I, I just love that. Yeah. You know, once it's like one's your wide receiver and one's kind of your, you know, your mid range dog. And that way you're finding, you know, all the birds in, in the sector you're hunting. No, that, that makes sense. And one thing I've also, from my limited experience with GSPs, they kind of remind me of labs and their trainability. Yes. Yes. There. I, I totally agree. So I, it's funny because I actually, I own, uh, I own two, uh, two short hairs. Uh, really like them. They're really nice dogs. Um, but it's funny because most of the dogs I've trained, like just in general, like the most amount are German short hairs. Um, and I, I totally agree with that. They're, they're usually pretty bold, you know, they'll meet you halfway. Um, but what I've also known is because the breed has gotten so popular, there's a lot of different, like, I call them like subspecies of German, you know, a lot of different types of shorts. You can get a field sure. trial one, a NAVDA one, and they all have their perks, right? You know, right, some right. really big, um, but they might maybe not retrieve as well or like the water. And I'm, I'm generalizing, so I right, right. make anybody mad, but I say, <laughs> you know. But um, that's just my experience. You know, I've trained like some NAVDA ones that are pretty versatile, but they might, you know, not range as big. So, um, but uh, there's a couple of short hair breeders here in, in my area that I, I get a lot of dogs from. And I own actually a dog from each of the two kennels I'm, I'm kind of referring to. And they're, they're awesome. So um, I, it's a breed I actually really like. 
Because oh. I've kind of had that conversation before because I own a Griff now. And I've talked to other Griff owners that, that have started with GSPs. And we all kind of agree we wouldn't recommend a Griff to be a first dog, not for training. Um, right. They're very, I've never trained one. They're very, very unique in that they're smart to the point they're stubborn, but they, they're soft. They're, they train oh, very wow. soft. So wow. the best way I heard it was from a very experienced Griff trainer. He said, you have to have a heavy hand and a white glove. So you have to be super, super consistent, but you can't put pressure with that consistency. Right. So it's a very, it's a very unique style of training, I would say. And I wouldn't, and I've talked to other Griff owners and we've, we've all on the same page. Like, I wouldn't recommend this for your first hunting dog. I, I wouldn't like, I love my Griff. I love her. But if I would have right. started at this with this dog, I would have either needed, I would have hopefully been smart enough to get a lot of help or I would have screwed it up. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I've never trained one. And I, you know, I, I was talking to an older trainer one time and he told me about a Griff that like, you can't really make as many mistakes as you can, like with a short hair, you know, he's like, if you right. make a mistake with this breed, like, like there's no coming back, you know, I don't know. I've never trained one. So I've like, I have zero experience with that breed. There was a guy my first year guiding that had griffs and poodle pointers. He was an Avda, uh, an avid like Navda guy. And so he had, and, and I, one time I hunted with him. So I have hunted with a griff like one time, but um, yeah, you don't, you don't see too many of those out here, at least in California. I think if you go to the Northwest, like where I guide there, there's more of them there. Sure. And, oh. and that makes sense though. Cause they're not known to be a big ranging dog. Now other griffs out there that range. Yes, there are. What, what yeah. really drove me to the griff was that, there are closer working dogs. So for I like for the grouse, that's why I really got like really fo like went to this breed because I wanted right. a closer working dog just right, for the right, cover right. hunt and things like that. Now, can a GSB like is it easy to make a dog hunt closer than it is to push him farther? Absolutely, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, like you yeah. can you can always reel a dog in. It's very hard to give him more confidence to push out or completely change what the breed standard is, right? Right, right. So you you got to know that going into it that it's a closer working breed. That's just what they are naturally. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, ha, um, what was I going to, I was going to ask you something about those. Um, do you, Oh, what do you, what's the most popular breed of hunting dog you guys see out there for pointing dog? So like with a lot of the pheasant hunters and that's a GSP, I'd say that okay. for sure. It's GSP. So sure. it's like here. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. So, but like, I know a lot of people, I, and maybe it's because I own a Griff. I know a lot of Griff right. owners in Wisconsin. I know a oh, lot wow. of Drathar owners. I know a couple of Drathar breeders. I know a okay. handful of, I know more than a handful of guys running German wired hair pointers. And I don't right. know if it's just because I'm so focused in the wired hair world currently, because I own one that, it, but then again, I know, I know a, there's a great Brittany kennel here, great Brittany kennel. And he, I, I've talked with him. I've seen his dogs work phenomenal dogs. So, I mean, there's a lot of Britneys yeah. as well. I mean, but I would say probably most, I mean, probably GSPs for um, pointing dogs, but you see a lot of labs. You see a ton of labs. Oh yeah. 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 That's America's dog. <laughs> right. Yeah. But yeah. for grouse hunting, it's pretty rare. I run into other hunters. I mean, you've, I mean, I ran into one this year. I ran into a couple this year. Um, one had an English pointer that was, okay. that found us at the road and he was about 800 yards in the other direction. <laughs> we walked her back to the truck oh, no. for him. Um, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> which was a whole unique search. Like that was a really unique situation. So I rescued my dog at six years old. Um, okay. She is not good with other dogs. She will hunt with that set or that um, English that uh, my buddy's um, my buddy's setter. Um, he'll, okay. She'll hunt with her. Like they get along, but 90% of other dogs, it's a no go. Like it's a fight. Like wow. she is very aggressive towards wow. other dogs. Um, so I don't hunt her around a lot of other dogs, obviously. Um, but like, so that you, can, like you can't hunt, you can't hunt her with another dog. You can, but you got to get them into the field quickly so they're focused. So her focus switches to birds right away. Because wow. if you're sitting around hanging around at the tailgates of the truck, I'll keep her in the kennel. Because oh, that's wow. just like that's just a fight waiting to happen for her. Like, wow. That, I mean, she's got some. She has some issues. Um, I wouldn't say she was abused, but I would put it towards more maybe neglected. Okay. Okay. So, but she's good. She's getting better. She probably won't. I, I won't own another dog with her though. That's for sure. Okay. Yeah. I've hunted. Yeah. (laughs) I, I've, I've hunted with, um, with, uh, German wire hairs. A couple of my buddies have them. And that was kind of my only beef with the breed. They're good dogs. Um, they found a lot of birds. They're good quail dogs. Um, and they were even good trial because I run Nastra too in the off season. Sure. And, uh, but she's, but the two I, I, I'm referring to, they were aggressive and, and not yeah. even just dog aggressive. They're human aggressive. So I was, you know, I found that kind of concerning, but you know, I, I see why people like them though too. So, right. You know. So I do know like compared to griffs um german wired hairs tend to be more on the aggressive side than griff. mine's pretty rare most griffs are not aggressive from the griffs right. i've met most of them are really not um i yeah mine um, me neither so um i know wire the german wired hairs a little more stubborn like the drathars yeah. they're a little yeah. they're a little more hard driving a little hardier than the griff um right they're all unique i mean they're so similar but they're all unique right Oh yeah, for sure. You know, I always tell people if I lived in like Alaska, I'd probably have that, you know, but, um, I will say this, you touched base on the coat and how nice it is for like the GSP and all that. Uh huh. The wire hair coat is a mess. Oh, because <laughs> <laughs> you don't cut it. You don't shave it. You hand strip it. Oh, wow. how long does that take to do? So I use a Mars Coke King. And I'll do a really, really good stripping before the season, which is like 30, 45 minutes just sitting in the kitchen, just wow. pulling hair out of her. But then it's a solid, like when I had my lab, because we have a lot of ticks, like tons of ticks okay. when we hunt. Like after okay. a hunt, you always got to do a tick check. With my lab, it was like five minutes and I was inside drinking right. whiskey or beer, right? <laughs> yeah. I Between burrs and ticks and everything else, I've literally spent 30 or 40 minutes on the back of the truck cleaning up my dog. Oh no, I, I believe it. You know, we, we're all after guiding, we're always pulling, you know, cockleburrs out of our, our uh, cockers. I usually shave my Britneys. Um, and I found out if you need to shave a dog, buy a good razor because it's a lot quicker. <laughs> um, but I remember one time I was just like, I spent like, you know, a couple hours like shaving two of my Britneys cause we were going to a trial the next day. And you know, if I, if I ever move, I'll always have pointers forever because I, I really like how they hunt. But if I ever were to kind of shy from Britney's, it, it, it's not because I don't like them. I love them actually, but it's just that coat. I actually got a Britney right here next to me. Um, <laughs> sleeping, he sleeps under my bed, <laughs> but, um, but that's, that's the, that's kind of the only thing, but you know, like if you're in a cold, like when I hunted Montana, I saw a lot of Britney's like a lot. Sure. 
Um, in California, I've encountered Brittany's mostly shorters, but when I go to the trial, that's where you'll see pointers and setters out here. But really, um, that's the only time I see other breeds. But yeah, you know, they're all cool. I love them. I, I just love dogs. <laughs> Agreed. And I, I like, I like hunting over different breeds too, because they all have, they all kind of have a unique style and every dog's got an individual style, but there's kind of that right. breed standard, if you want to call it a standard, right. Then everyone's right. unique in a way. Well, absolutely. And when I'm, when we're guiding at HHR, you know, you're, you're guiding for six months out of the year. And I, you know, I, I like to look at different things. So, you know, sometimes in the morning on my up top hunts, I'll be like, all right, I'm going to run long tails and all my pointers. And I, I have an old setter. So sometimes he'll go out too. And then, you know, down in the thick cover when we do our Milo pheasant hunts, I'll, uh, you know, that's all I'll be running my Britneys. And I might throw a one-pointer in there uh, just to kind of mix it up. But when we're guiding, minimum, I'm always running at least at least three dogs, two-pointers, one flusher. And then the maximum I'll run is five dogs. I've sometimes ran three-pointing dogs and two flushing dogs, and that's a lot of fun. It just, uh, just depends um, what part of the ranch we're hunting and how many hunters I have. Um and then usually when I'm, you know, down in California hunting at least two to three pointing dogs always. Sure. So, yeah. No, that's awesome, man. And having 14 yeah. dogs, you're able to switch them out and you're able to like really put a lot of time in the field. Yeah. And I, I tell people if I didn't guide full time for half the year, I would not have 14. I'd have like six dogs. All right. So, but the well, only that... reason I have that many is because if you, if you're guiding and you have a dog get hurt, you don't want to overrun them and, you know, sometimes most of their injuries they recover from, but they just, they need time to rest. And the worst right. thing to do is to, to go, you know, your dog like hurt its leg or something and then go keep running it. So that's, you know, people in the, especially down in California, I tell them how many dogs I have, they think I'm crazy. But then I, I'm like, hold on, like, let me explain, you know, cause back in the early days, I only had three dogs and I ran them hard. You know, sure, I, I sure. ran them really, really, I don't run dogs that hard anymore. Like that, you know, I just, I swap them out for a new one. Right. Um, so yeah but, I mean, it's, it's hard on the dog right it's hard on the joints it's hard on everything i mean yeah it's hard on the pad. I, it's hard on the paws it's yep yep and usually like sometimes when you're um like when i took that guy out from tennessee his dog came out here and blew all his pads and you know sometimes like when i first started going up to oregon uh some of my dogs blew their pads but then two weeks later they, they the pads really calloused up so i don't i don't boot my dogs uh and let, if i'm hunting the mojave preserve i'll boot them but other than that i never boot my dogs and their, their pads are really conditioned because of it. Sure. That makes so, sense. And and yeah. I really don't boot mine unless we get really hard, icy snow. Oh yeah. 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 Cause I mean, that just, I mean, even, even towards the end of this, I mean, obviously it snows at the end of the season for us. And even after she's been yeah. running hard and now we're running woods, I mean, there's sticks, there's right. like rocks, but I mean, it's nothing like running like desert or anything like that. It's not nearly yeah. as that type of terrain, but that, when you get like deep snow is fine, soft snow is fine, but when you get that ice crusted snow, like Oof. if I if I don't boot her, like you'll look down and also there'll be blood all over the ground. And she didn't like rip oh. her pads off. She's actually cut oh. her pads. And a lot of times, like it'll ball up and freeze, and it'll actually like cut inside the pad, like in between oh. the toes. And wow. she'll keep running. She'll keep running. Like she won't stop. I have to stop her. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah, I don't, we, you know, in even like down in California, we don't really have a winner, but in Oregon, our winter is not like for a guy like you, you wouldn't consider it a winner. Like we do get snow, um, but there's like two guys I work with. One guy's from Iowa, the other guy's from New York. And like, they're like, this really isn't a winner, you know, like, well, it'll be cold for about six, seven weeks, maybe. And then, um, but not, you know, like, I think the coldest I ever guy in was like 16 degrees. It's usually like 
you know, on the colder end, 20, 30. But right now up there, it's, it's pretty hot. The low's only like 45, which is pretty warm for up there right now. That's, I mean, so like to put it in perspective, like I always hold grouse camp in October, either the third, second or third week. So okay. this year it was hot. It was in the 70s. Oh, that's hot. Which, which that like 60s, 70s, like it's hot. It was really hot because when yeah. you start, you know, when you start to get to those temperatures, the dogs start to get hot. It gets to the point where their tongue never goes back in their mouth and they're just puffing and puffing right. so hard. They're no longer using their noses. But the year before, it was highs, it was lows in like the single digits with highs in the teens. In October? We, yes. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. MidwayUSA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Wow. And like all the lakes froze up, the rivers were freezing. And then we were getting fresh snow every single day. That's crazy. <laughs> and I, wow. didn't bring, I didn't bring boots or anything. Like, I didn't even think about it. It's October. I'm not going to need. Yeah. So I'm driving <laughs> yeah. to like all. The, and we're up north in the middle of Wisconsin. And there's like nothing around. I finally found a feed store that had boots. And I'm like, it didn't matter <laughs> what they were. They were going to work. And they worked it great. I've actually bought more pairs after that of the same company. <laughs> but I mean. It was just crazy. Like that's just how crazy our, our weather can be here where we can have like, I, I have pictures where, I mean, woke up in the morning and like all the trees are covered in ice from the steam coming off the lake still. Wow. Yeah. That's, you know, that's crazy. And, and I would agree. Like when you were saying honey in the seventies, that's hot because when you're hiking around as you know, you, you know, you're building up body heat. So like my favorite temps to hunt in are like forties with the breeze. Like today when I was out running my dogs, it was like, 47 degrees with the breeze it was awesome (laughs) see that's i'd agree mid 40s like once you start to get 50s even like a long sleeve shirt starts to get hot right i mean like you want to almost be down to a t-shirt at that point but i won't hunt where i hunt in a t-shirt because you're gonna be bloody yeah with all the trees and branches (laughs) right right yeah and we actually and like for woodcock it's a lot of buckthorn like i'm i wear lever gloves because i'm constantly moving buckthorn out of my way and I don't know if you've ever dealt with buckthorn. Uh-uh, have not. It's actually poisonous. So oh, if wow. you get stuck hard enough, like you'll have a reaction to it. Ooh. Uh, a coworker got stuck in his knuckle and his knuckle swelled up to the point he couldn't move it. Wow. Yeah. So buckthorn's nasty and woodcock love it. They like you find good buckthorn with, with some wet ground, like some moist ground, you'll find woodcock. So, I mean, it's that stuff and it, it can beat the dogs up pretty good too. I'm sure. Like, I'm sure you can tell. Well, I, so in that type of terrain and hunting, you, you probably better off with like a long hair dog, right? Or not necessarily. My lab didn't have, get any more beat up than my Griff did. 
I mean, okay. Yeah. My but you probably couldn't not... run a pointer in that. You couldn't run a pointer in that, could you? Guys do it all the time. And they don't get beat I... up? Oh, I'm sure they do. But I mean, there's plenty <laughs> of times I've watched both my dogs come out with blood all over their faces. Oh, like well, yeah. eyes all yeah. red, tongue. Like I can't, I, I have so many pictures of my lab with his tongue hanging out, looking at me, smiling, blood's just like dripping off his tongue from his tongue being so cut up from running through there. <laughs> yeah, they're so tough. <laughs> right. I mean, and it's just that terrain that does, I mean, but I mean, I'm sure you got train out by you that just, that's got like rough on the pads and everything else. It's just different, yeah. different, different situations. Yeah, I found the Mojave Preserve to be a tough place. And that so the Mojave Preserve's in California. It's kind of on your way like to Vegas, from LA to Vegas. And uh that is a spot I've booted my dogs. And then the other spot, um, so I love to hunt Arizona because that's next right next door. Sure. Um, and um there's a reservation that a lot of the guys hunt, and uh that is tough on the dogs. It's not it's not really tough on us because we got our boots and some of the guys will actually wear like gators. There is like cactus order, but it's not, it's not like as steep as like chuck or honey, you know? So it's not like, you know, like older guys can do it and, and whatnot, but the, like all my Arizona buddies, man, their, their dogs get, you know, they have really good dogs. And I actually, we have similar dogs and we breed our dogs together and whatnot. And, but their dogs, man, they, you know, they take good care of their dogs, but just from the honey, they, they really get beat up compared to sure. California. The, the terrain out in California, other than the Mojave Preserve is really not that bad. It, it's oh. nice. It's I, yeah. The ideal spots I like to hunt quail in are rolling like sagebrush, and you can Got see it. your dog, and it's beautiful, and it's not too thick. So. Well, that's cool too, because then, you, then you actually get to really watch your dogs work. Exactly. You know, there's a lot of spots that have a lot of quail, but it's just like so thick, or like you know, there'll be stuff in like Arizona that's just tons of choya, and there might be a million birds in there, but you don't really want to hunt there because it's just like you know, it, it's just I don't know. Uh, there's just certain types of terrain I like to hunt in. So sure, no, that makes um, sense, and that's yeah. probably why there's more birds there, though, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah. There's more and, and birds chucker, there. Cause... Yeah. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. Chucker terrain can can be brutal. Actually, quick little story on that. Last year, I was hunting with Sky and Nelly, um, and Nelly fell off a cliff, and Holy cow. like right in front of me, she jumped, and I don't think she realized there wasn't ground in her. At least you know, and she just fell all the way down and she she bounced like a tennis ball and there's nothing i could do and she was totally fine but had she been a bigger dog i mean that that might have been her last hunt like how how high was this cliff it was pretty high i don't know how high but it was me and my the guy I hunt with all the time we looked and we just we just saw it and our mouths dropped and we're like oh i hope this works out and she kind of landed like a cat and i waited and i didn't even give her rem at all because i wanted to see if she'd like swell up and uh she was totally fine and but she's a she's a real light-footed dog she's about 40 pounds real okay. lean pointer so you know had that been my other pointer sky that she's a little bit bigger she's kind of a thick thicker dog uh that might have not not ended so well <laughs> that's crazy and like completely yeah. off like just like free fall yeah like she jumped like she's at the top and she jumped thinking there was like land there but there wasn't you know there was but a lot further down Right. Um, and yeah, out, out West, that's an issue. If you're a chucker hunter, a lot of guys, um, you know, they're, they'll be chucker hunting. And I know a few guys and their dogs have, you know, fell off a cliff. And on the flip side of that though, I've gotten down cliffs while I'm chucker hunting. This actually happened in Nevada. And, uh, I was trying to figure a way down this cliff and I actually used my dogs to figure it out. They, they knew the path. So <laughs> I just kind of followed the dogs. Yeah. 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 So 
Um, yeah, that that's know. the type of terrain I'm not familiar with at all. Like, I feel like I'd get out there and be like, I am not prepared for this. Yeah, yeah. It you know it takes a lot of times. You'll I, I met this one guy Chucker hunted with once, and I he, he was kind of retired early, and he Chucker hunts like a hundred days out of the year, and I went with him, and that was a, that was probably like five years ago. Um, and it was an awesome experience. You know, there's antelope everywhere. If I could, I would just chucker hunt all day. I mean, it's my favorite. It's awesome. And I think it's like the ultimate test for a dog because some of my other dogs that are good at quail and pheasant, they're they're not as good as chucker as my, my chucker dogs. So, Got it. yeah. Got it. So do you guys- It takes a special days? dog. Got it. I get it. I mean, different terrain, tougher. Right. So do you guide for all three then? Like, do you guide for quail, chucker- so, well, actually more than, yeah. And actually one more hunt. So when we're guiding at HHR at Highland Hills Ranch, there's quail, there's chucker, there's hun, and there's pheasant. Got it. So, yeah. And then, um, uh, but then, you know, I chase other birds too. Like I love to hunt murns. I don't guide for murns, but I, I just personally do that. And sure. You know, so yeah. So do you pick favorite dogs then? Like, like when you're going out for your, when you're going out for your own hunts, you know, you're taking your special, like the ones that have just a little bit more special place to you. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So like my Brittany that's here in my room right now, if we're going on a Mern's quail hunt or any type of quail hunt, like he's, he's like on the team. Sure. Um, that's just like, he's just awesome. And he really does really good at Mern's and, and also valleys. Valleys is kind of like his home bird. That's what he grew up on. Uh, valley quail and then um when i'm like chucker hunting so last year uh i around this time actually i went to um hell's canyon and absolutely i had hunted hell's canyon before but it's a big area you know it's a saint hell's canyon is just kind of like a general term it's a big area so this time i hunted a completely different side of it and i actually only took my pointers and uh, we got into chucker and huns which is pretty cool um but they just they're, I have found that their nose is the most powerful. And, you know, someone probably argued me on that. But just in my experience, the pointers have a really powerful nose. And, and you need that for Chucker. You know, you can't be you can't be too close to them or they're going to, you know, they'll bust. Sure. And uh, they really just figure it out. You know, there's, you know, the only way to really practice for Chucker, I mean, you just got to go. You know, no, you know, you can practice all you want with pigeons or, you know, planted birds. But to be a Chucker dog, in my opinion, is a special dog. You know, and that's actually why I got into pointers because I had some successful hunts with my birth on Chucker, but I knew there might be a little bit better out there. And and to me, the pointers kind of like the Formula One of bird dogs. They are the you know. So, sure. No, um, and and I get it. Wild birds teach dogs, right? And if you, I mean, yes, Chucker yes. kind of reminds me about. It kind of reminds me of like with grouse, to be honest, because you can't right. overpressure grouse or they'll blow out. Like you, like right. It takes a special dog. Like, and my dog blows plenty of points. Like, she's by far not perfect on grouse. Like, she's still trying to figure out grouse. Because, I mean, you only can put so much pressure on those. And they don't hold. They, especially when you hunt higher pressured areas. Right. They are quick to fly away. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So, with Chucker, I mean, the first time I went to Hell's Canyon was about four years ago. And I had my, my Brit was my older dog and sky at the time was like eight months old, I think. So she was, it was kind of at the end of her first season and she bumped one covey and I didn't say anything. I didn't shock her. And, but I was like, please don't do this all day. Cause when you're chucker hunting, it's like some, you can actually hunt chucker in flatter areas. People don't realize that. And the more you spend chuck time chucker hunting, you'll actually start to hunt areas that aren't as hard, you know, cause you can still get birds. Um, but this particular hunt was very steep 
And after she blew one cubby, that's all she needed. And she was dialed in. And and the that's rest awesome. of the day, the rest of the day, the Garmin would go off. We would find her right when we'd get to her. We'd flick the safety off and birds would get up. It was awesome. Nice. And, and, she, and, she, and, that, and she's like, she's on my business card for a reason. I mean, she is, I'm, you know, yeah, I really like cutting with her. <laughs> so, yeah. But I mean, it's amazing when like, that it just clicks for a dog, right? I mean, and yeah. like it just clicked there. And I've seen that, I've seen that with my dogs before too, where like all of a sudden it just clicks and they get yeah. it. Now, my Griff likes to forget. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. And she's 10. I got her late in the, I got her at six. I mean, okay, I'm, okay, I'm, yeah. I'm very happy with what I was able to make from her, especially because. Hunting wasn't my first priority with her. It was behavioral issues. I mean, that's what I focused okay. on first because there was other things other than just dog aggressiveness. So, I mean, that was our first, wow. that was our first thing. It was behavioral issues and hunting took a backseat to it other than making sure she had really good obedience and we're just going to run you on birds and let you figure right. it out. And because she loved chase birds, like she's got great bird drive. So, right. I mean, that was kind of like a release, like for her. And yeah. so I, I never really like, I still don't like, I expect a lot out of her. I do just cause I expect a lot out of me at the same time. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't actually like she'll, she'll bust birds and I'll just, and I'll be like disappointed, but I don't like actually ever like correct her on it. Cause she's 10. I mean, she really is what she's going to be. I mean, yeah, yeah, she is who she is at that age. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So yeah. I take it for what it is and, and and really what it is is she'll have really really great days where it's like oh my god like we finally got it we figured it out we'll go out the next day and it's like she forgot everything that happened the day before i'm like what just <laughs> happened here like i've watched her have phenomenal steady through the shot retrieves like just oh, nice. gorgeous points i actually have a woodcock i'm gonna get mounted for that like it was perfect point shot steady retrieve oh. And then That's the next awesome. day, like she'll completely like the next day, she'll completely miss birds. Like I'll be walking <laughs> and she'll have already gone through the area and I'll bump the bird. I'm like, you just came through here. Like, how did you not like what yeah. happened? Or like she'll completely like chase a running grouse and just like get like 60 yards out and just like push it. And they'll bust. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. what happened to like what, what happened to pointing? Like, did you forget? Like, you're not a flush. Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I just take the good with the bad with her because I mean. At the end with her, I know I gave her an amazing home and she's loving the rest of her life. And that's all I really care about with her. So, oh, yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, every dog, you know, develops differently or can have little quirks or, or, or different nuances, you know. Um, but yeah, you know, like that's one thing I really liked about the pointers is in the pointing department they just like love the point like that's sure. you know because a lot one of the biggest issues especially like young hunters will have is um you know their dog's not holding point right and in a puppy that's okay like i let when i take out a, a young dog i don't like if i'm gonna go hunt with my friends or whatever or a bunch of people or guys that's with like finished dogs and, sure. and whatever because if i'm taking out my puppy it's more of a training session and it's not really about the hunt in terms of like killing birds and so you know, uh, I was just mentoring a guy that bought a pointer for me and I'm like, Hey, like, you know, if she blows a cubby, don't shoot at them. Cause you're rewarding like bad behavior, you know? Right. And, right. And, 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 and it'll just click. And in my experience, I found sometimes the, um, and this is just general, but the females can mature. I have two pointers in my kennel, they're brother and sister. And I always thought the sister was better until like two months ago. I, the, the, the her brother just 
totally changed and you know he matured and you know he's good and and going back to why i hunt with different breeds i couldn't just ever only hunt with just pointers because the one kind of i i have seen some pointers that like this but unfortunately mine don't um they're in, they don't do anything in the water so mine retrieve really good you know and most of the spots we hunt don't have water but some do so that's why i always take a brit or a short hair with me because sure. they're versatile and they'll they'll do that too so you know um, or you could take the cocker, I guess. They like the water as well. So. It makes sense. And yeah, do your, do your pointers like to retrieve? I mean, are they, they love to retrieve. Phenomenal. Yeah. If you actually just not water. So if you like, got I have it, a pool it. in my house. If you throw it in the uh, dead bird or whatever in the pool, they're, they're not about that. But on <laughs> land, phenomenal retrievers. And as a good chucker, you know, when I was getting into pointers, I was either short hair pointer, right? I couldn't decide. And to me, I'm really, really big on retrieving. Even if my dogs have a really good natural retrieve, which most of them do, and I actually breed for that because I understand like some of some of my buyers, um, they're not going to force fetch their dog or, or they might not pay a trainer or whatever. Um, so I, I, I'm really big on that natural retrieve and I cultivate it at a young age and I, I use a, a dead bird and I'll use a, a doken. Um, but then after they've had their first hunting season, I do force fetch them still. Sure. Um, because I just, I want the complete package. So, right. Yeah. And no, I'm that, big on retrieving. No, that makes sense. I mean, the retrieve is half of it to me. I mean, Absolutely. I want a dog. That, I mean, not only is the point, but the retrieve it like to me, like they go hand in hand. They really do. And like, that's like that this year, that was a huge step with my griff. Okay. Like, we, re I mean, she's always had a strong retrieve drive, but she's always been hesitant right. to put birds in her mouth. And that was okay. something we worked on. And this year I can think of only one time and it was a super shot up woodcock <laughs> that she wouldn't retrieve. She retrieved okay. everything this year. So, I mean, yeah, we might've not had some good points, but like her retrieve like was amazing. So like it was a super exciting season for that. Oh yeah, absolutely. No, definitely. And one thing I've kind of noticed, um, I like to, I know you got her at six, but when I'm cultivating the retrieve, like I'll do it like when they're little and I won't overdo sure. it obviously, but I like to do it with a freshly killed bird sometimes because I've noticed, like I have one of my pointers, right? She retrieved great with the bumper, great with the doken, but all, then I went and shot birds over her and she didn't retrieve them. So I was like, oh, it's not good. So then I went back to the yard and took a frozen bird and just replaced the bumper with a frozen like chucker, I think. And, mm -hmm. and just started doing that, doing that. And, um, so I'm, yeah, I'm really like, you know, to me, yeah, I totally agree with you. And when we're guiding, like I don't pick up any birds, that's my dog's job. So they, they dead bird hunt, they retrieve and, uh, and, and they all have natural holds. I like them to hold it right. Um, you know, uh, uh, to hand and then I, I pull the bird out. Sure. So, and yeah. that's, I mean, and that's part of the experience for the clients, right? Like they want that entire yeah. package also, not only oh, as, yeah. us, as like dog trainers and hunters, like it's always great to watch your dog like get that point steady the shot yeah. the retreat like it's always great when everything clicks but it's another level of expectations for people that are paying for it well one of my favorite things that happens when guy and i absolutely love when this happens is uh the birds will get up right you know you're you know your dogs on point you send the cocker in and we'll be kind of near like not really a cliff but like down a steep mountain you know just down a, a draw or whatever but we'll be on top and uh the birds get up the client shoot them but they wing a bird and the bird just sails down and i can see my pointer my pointer sky is a phenomenal virtual my pointer sky and scout my brit and then blue my cocker are just phenomenal at marking birds 
and they will mark a bird and go like hundreds of yards down a draw. And when they come back up and it looks like they got the football in their mouth, it, it makes you look really good. You know, the climber right, like, right. like they thought we totally lost the bird. You know, they're not going to go hike down to get that. That's why we got the dog. And right. um, it, it's, it's probably one of the things that makes you look really good as a guy. <laughs> So. It's also proud too. Cause I mean, that shows tr- like now there's natural talent there, right. Cause they mark birds really well, but I mean, it's yeah. also the training. It's also the experience that you've mm-hmm. given them and that constant, like just that much work in the field where they, where they have that yep. experience and the confidence also to go chase that bird for 300 yards and not give yeah. up. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it's, it's the training, uh, the environment. And then a big part of all that. And I, I tell this to people too, especially my, uh my clients and i get them usually from referrals from breeders which is nice but with all these bird dogs it's all about like genetics if you have a really really well-bred dog they're if anything else you get a really intelligent dog and they really want to please you and for the most part i found them to be just bold retrievers you know i, I like a bold dog you know sure um so but um yeah so no oh, man that's it's always about the dogs for me, right? I wouldn't it's like it. I wouldn't if if I didn't have dogs, I wouldn't be an upland hunter. I'd be a deer hunter. Like I Oh, 100 percent Yeah, upland hunting without a dog. I just I, I've never done that. I don't think I'll ever do that. Um, that's you know, for me it's all about the dog. I mean, don't get me wrong, I like shooting birds too. And you'll you'll I'm sure you know you meet different types of hunters. Like I got some buddies that they love killing birds, right? And right. and and whatever, but I'm not really that way. And I think if if that was my main drive, like I probably wouldn't be as into the outdoors and hunting as I am. Uh, because for me, it goes beyond that. I just love watching good dog work. I mean, I love it. So, and that I think that's pretty consistent with like a lot of people that I've started to like that I associate with, right? It's right. more about the dog work than it is limits. And I don't know, maybe, maybe I've matured. Cause like when I first started duck hunting, it was all about tailgate picks with limits of greenheads. Right. Right. But right. eventually that kind of all switched to, and like what I've really like, what I base the show about, and it doesn't matter if it's bird hunting or deer hunting <clears throat> or any type of hunting, really, it's about the experience. Cause it's really, to me, it's about that entire experience. It's about like for duck hunting, watching the sunrise, watching birds work the decoys or upland hunting, watch dogs, figure out the scent. And then, watch how the bird flies in the woods or like for you absolutely hills and it's that entire experience to me and if i don't actually like if my shooting is subpar that day and i don't actually get a bird in my game big that's okay like that's i'm I'm 100 okay with that because at that i still got to watch like the woods wake up or my dog work a field or work woods or something i always like it's there's more to it to me than just having a bird to come home to clean Oh, for, absolutely. No, I, I totally agree. You know, cutting the dogs loose, letting them work, you know, following them on the Garmin, you know, and hunting different areas. And it, and for me, it's just like, it's all about the experience. And I've, I've kind of grown as a hunter too. Like I really only like hunting like really pristine areas at this point. So I'll drive further to do that. You know, yeah, I can sure. get in birds a little bit closer, but I really like, I call them like level 10 places where like, there's this one place in Arizona I hunt and you'll get into quail and everything but there could be like deer and elk and then javelinas show up those are kind of scary but um, <laughs> uh yeah those can hurt your dog but uh i think i haven't had that happen but it's just you know you you get like like all of you know you just get a lot of wildlife out here in california when i usually when you're hunting almost not every quail hunt but a lot of my better quail hunts there's usually always like a bobcat lurking around that i'll find because he's hunting them too Sure. And uh, so that is, so when you, 
when you, for me, like if I see a lot of times too, and before I'll cut the dogs loose, I'll, I'll look in the sky. And if I can see hawks flying around, I'm like, all right, there's birds over there. And so we'll go and yeah. So makes sense. Use the natural predators out there that you can see. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. If you find predators, they're hunters too. So they're, right. you know, they're, yeah. <laughs> so. No, that's awesome. Um, I'm going to give you the next few minutes. You can let everyone know how to find you on social media. Let them know what your kennel name is, especially anybody on the West coast. That's looking, that's looking for dog training or anything like that. Okay. Um, shout out, shout out where you guide give you the, give the show's yours, man. Okay. So um, I got at Highland Hills ranch in Condon, Oregon for half the year. Uh, it's the Orvis and we're Orvis uh, wing shooting guides. It's Orvis endorsing Beretta Trident Lodge. And then, uh, in California, I run a kennel. It's my kennel name is called Wild Covey Kennels. Um, you know, if you got a bird dog and, and you need training, I also do private sessions as well. But most of the clients just you know drop off their dogs. Um, but if you need help with training or gun breaking, um, bird introduction, any of that stuff, you know, um, that's my passion, and and I've, I've got a lot of experience now doing that. Um, and you know, we just love to have people come out. You know, so it's, and we've been really busy, really, really busy. Um, if you're, if you're looking for certain products, I always, and I'm not sponsored by anybody, but I highly recommend, uh, especially to all my puppy buyers, you know, have Garmin collars for your dogs. Uh, and then as of dog food, I, I really like uh, Purina dog food. I've fed a lot of different dog foods. And like I said, I'm not sponsored by any of these guys, but they're just products I use like every day. And, you know, uh, they definitely make a difference. Sure. Absolutely. I'm a big fan of the Perina as well. I've been feeding that for like 15 years now. So, and I, and in in those 15 years I've varied, right? Like I've tried other things there, but I think for the past six now I haven't varied again. So. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It wasn't, you know, I, I used to vary all the time. And once I started guiding professionally and, and, you know, I'm feeding the kennel dogs, I really, you know, because as a guide, you're really, you know, before guiding, I'd hunt a lot, but it'd be like on the weekends or three days here. When you're guiding, you're hunting 20 days a month. So you can really see the difference. And, and the dog food's awesome. So, um, and then for collars, I only recommend and only use Garmin. I won't use anything else. Sure. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. So. No, I get it. I mean, you see it, and you see it, what works and what doesn't work, and... I mean, there's a reason both of those brands are so well known throughout the industry, right? Yeah, yeah. So, well, James, I really appreciate you being on the show. Um, it's been great talking to you. It's been a fun episode. I really learned a lot about out west and everything else, and like the the passion you have for dogs comes through. I mean, it's huge. Oh, yeah. Well, if you ever come out west, let me know, and uh, we'll get you on birds. We'll take you hunting. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm gonna. I. I. It's on my list, and yeah. I got places I got to be like, like that's on my list of things to do for sure. I'll wait. I, it's going to be a couple of years yet. Cause I want to go out with my old, my, with, with my own dog. I want to come out there ah, then. Of course. And, and of course she's a little too old to be running 200 yards in that many miles. So 
Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I mean, definitely on my list, more than just a bucket list because it's definitely going to happen. So, but I really appreciate you coming on tonight. And to all my listeners, thank you again for listening. Um, This is the last episode before we do our Christmas break. So I will be back again come January with a whole new year. And that'll be right about my one year mark for, for the seasons as well. So yeah, that'll be my one year podcast um, anniversary. So yeah, it'll be, it'll be another good year. So until next time, everyone keep chasing that experience. Thanks for tuning in to another killer episode on Paddle and Finn. Don't forget to go check out our website at Paddle, the letter N, and Finn.com. Don't forget to check out the YouTube channel at Paddle and Finn. If you got a question, comment, want to hear from a future guest on a future episode, feel free to email us at Paddle, the letter N, and Finn at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Paddle and Finn on Facebook and Instagram. Shout out to our show supporters, Angler, the Angler Button and app just makes for a better time on the water and creates a virtual logbook for every fishing outing out on the water. Shout out to Rocktown Adventures, located in Northern Illinois, for all your kayaking, camping, and hiking needs. Shout out to Jigmasters Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com. Four in the morning. Join me, Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois, and the whole crew here at Duck Camp Dinners every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Birds up in the sky. Join Captain Justin Leake and Meredith McCord for the best fishing action along Panama City Beach. Tune in to Chasing the Sun every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.